If you have read the book, Let the Cash Flow, you'll know that just keeping your customers to the payment terms you've agreed is already a challenge. And if you're a small and medium enterprise, you already know just how difficult it is to get paid in 30 days if that's what it says on your invoice. But as Simon Littlewood and I uh, write in the book, Let the Cash Flow, which is available now on Amazon.sg, you'll know that there's this natural creep that comes in. And I don't mean the recalcitrant customer. I'm talking about the fact that the 30-day payment terms you agreed over time naturally evolves to be 35 days, 40 days, 45 days. So just holding your customers to terms, Simon, is already a challenge. How do you then bring them down from, let's say, that 30-day term to 25 days or even 20 days? Yes. So, so what we're doing here, Mark, um, and thanks for, for introducing this topic, is we're differentiating, we're, we're observing the difference between what you have in your contract with your customer, let's say for the sake of argument it's 30 days, um, and when you actually get paid, which let's say for argument's sake is 40 days. And much of the early part of the book is quite rightly concerned with ensuring that customers pay you based on the terms that you've agreed, as opposed to when they want to pay you. And, you know, our observation is that 80% of the time that you get paid in 40 days instead of 30, and the example we've just alluded to, is down to something that you could or should do differently. And that by following a methodology that we call the virtuous revenue cycle, you can eliminate most of those issues and you can start bringing down the 40 towards the 30 that it should be. Because if your terms are 30, then the average length of time that it takes you to get paid should be 30. Your DSO, your average days of sales, should be 30. Um, But... As you just asked, once you've got your customer to pay you roughly according to when he's supposed to pay you, that's 30 days, can you actually get those base terms down? Can you renegotiate the 30 days that you agreed at the beginning of the relationship and get it lower? And the answer is that you can. Right. Well, isn't that exactly what I started out our podcast with? So how, of course, is the next question? Um, Well, uh, First of all, don't try this until you've accumulated significant amount of data on the things that have caused the payment to be 40 days in the past, because it's in the insight into why the payments are late uh, that you get the traction with your customer. Because every time that you iterate around a transaction, that is every time an error leads to a late payment, this costs both you and your customer money because you have to spend time sorting it out. And By not taking the time, of course, you allow the late payment to continue. And if you do take the time, you develop a closer relationship with the customer. Having developed a closer relationship with the customer, you know things that are going to enable both you and the customer to reduce the cost of doing business. That's the important thing here. It's it's a concept that we sometimes call TCS, total cost to serve. Because if you think about your customer, your customer has you as a supplier and has other suppliers. And different suppliers cost different amounts of money to do business with depending on how clean their transactions are. So the total cost to serve from a supplier who makes invoicing errors or other errors is greater. So you've got to the point now where you've reduced the cost to serve and your sales team have a good relationship with the customer and can explain what he or she has done to help eliminate late payments, take out process errors, What you can do is you can take all the customers where you've developed insight into 
why they pay late and what you've been doing wrong to allow them to do that. And you can model those customers based on the length of terms that they have by agreement and on their re relative contribution to your profitability. If you can't figure out contribution, then use gross revenue, but contribution is better. What that gives you, and do look at chapter five of the book to understand this in a little bit more detail, what that gives you is a sense of outliers. So what customers do we have who give us relatively little contribution, but who have atypically long terms? Um, and the answer is if they've got very long terms and you're not making much money out of them, then you should work very hard to reduce those terms. So this gives you an objective in terms of specific customers to go after. And if you've got data by now on what goes wrong, you can use that data in the conversation with the customer to show insight and start pushing those terms down. Yeah? Um, the alternative, if you have customers that aren't doing enough business to justify the terms that they get, remember we're thinking about a net contribution conversation here. The alternative is to try and make those customers bigger customers. So you can pursue a couple of potential paths. One way to make them bigger customers is to reduce the numbers of number of transactions so that individual transaction have, transactions have a higher value and you earn more contribution on a specific transaction, given that there's a fixed cost to every invoice. So the idea is that over time, working with your sales force, you identify opportunities to take specific customers and using the intimacy that you've developed, get them to reduce their underlying terms. Um, this takes time and it requires that you coach your sales team on what on the concept of BPDSO, best possible DSO, and you work with them to leverage specific examples. Uh, and like many things in business, once somebody has had a success and his peers in the sales team can see how it's gone, you'll find more and more people will get comfortable with this. And this, as I said at the beginning, it's a slow process, Mark. You can't do this at the beginning of a receivables improvement process. You can't do it until you've made real efforts to stabilize your processes and bring down your overdues. Yes, because the last thing you want is for your own processes to be the reason for why the customer keeps paying you late. And you want to make sure that your invoices are all uh, in order and that you've met all those customer expectations that you always talk about, Simon. But let me take you back because yeah. obviously this is a fairly heavy duty conversation. Can I first get you to clarify what a contribution actually is do you mean profitability yes um although profitability can be defined in a number of ways contribution the key elements of contribution would be the gross revenue and the gross margin typically so and and the, and the two things are driven by price so just because a customer gives you lots of business doesn't mean that they're profitable in fact very often bigger customers negotiate keener prices so the, the net contribution from a large customer could be less than the net contribution from a smaller customer. And the important thing to look at is contribution versus credit terms. Um, you don't want to be both in a situation where the contribution is low and the customer is paying you late or has a very long credit term because that yes. simply erodes that erodes the margin even further. Yeah. Yes, because let's say they're one of your smaller customers and then they drag on their payments for 60, 80, 90, 120 days or however long, that's going to take an ex rather an, uh, an outsized amount of your attention away from chasing those people who contribute more to your business. Is that the point? Yes. And uh, well, that's there are several points. I mean, one is that customers take time and any customer requires a certain level of attention. You need to be sure that you're making enough money out of a customer 
for that customer to merit your attention. And if, if they're marginal, that is the contribution's not great and they pay you late, then you've got a number of courses of action. One is to regularize that account by reducing the overdues. The second is, if they continue to buy very little, to reduce the credit term so that profitability goes up. And thirdly, um, not discussed in the book, but an important consideration nonetheless, depending on what your what service or product you're providing, you might want to take your low margin, low turnover customers and assign them to a distributor or other reseller so you're not dealing with them objectively. That, that way you can control your margin by simply selling your product to the distributor, what the distributor does with it and what margins they charge on the resale are up to them. Yeah. Yes. And you made that point that maybe you just need to sell more to them so that they um, contribute more, hopefully, and uh, therefore yes, become I mean, a bigger customer that's worthy of your time. I think you can have that. I mean, I would draw the line at the bottom. You know, um, it, 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 we've talked about Pareto. Pareto works the same in reverse. You know, 80% of your customers give you 20% of your turnover. And the further you go towards the bottom of that Pareto, the smaller the customers are. You've got a lot, a tail, typically have a tail of very small customers who are contributing very little, yet they consume time, yet they all have to have an invoice, yet they all have to have sales attention. So is it worth it? And can you enjoy the profit of those customers without dealing with them directly? I think that's something to think about very hard. And um, before you do that, can you migrate them to a better pro to, to a better set of price and terms? Yeah. Either way, you're moving towards an outcome where your net DSO is going down through a combination of timely payment, which is the first part of the work that you do, firstly, and then secondly, reduced trading terms because of a discussion that you've had with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a tricky conversation, though, right? Because you'd never want to rock up to any customer and say, hey, you're not buying enough from me to warrant my time chasing you for payment. Therefore, please buy more or pay faster. So what are some no. of the actual words that you would use in having this conversation? Well, you don't have that conversation until the rapport has been developed based on sorting out the issues that have led to late payment. Um, so the idea is to build intimacy by following the virtuous revenue cycle, by paying close attention to why things are going wrong and by demonstrating your willingness to sort things out. And then I think you have to have an honest conversation with them. And remember, you've got a couple of options. You can actually aggregate sales because there is a uniform cost associated with every transaction. Stuff has to be delivered, say, on a truck, and an invoice has to be raised, say. What if they took fewer deliveries so that the cost of the truck was relatively diluted and the value of an invoice went up? Contribution margin would go up under that scenario, um, and you could perhaps can justify the continuation of the relationship. If small, relatively unprofitable transactions are going to continue, then I think you need to have an honest conversation with the customer. Because customers who make you very little money are filling space that you could be using to spend with customers who are more profitable. And that's the thing you have to bear in mind. There's only 24 hours in the day. If you decide to spend a lot of time with relatively small, unprofitable customers, guess what? That's time you can't spend winning and serving bigger, more profitable customers. Yeah. Yes. But it does sound like you can actually be quite creative. I hadn't thought of that. Just uh, delivering less often, but more each time are, are there other similar creative ideas that you have to um well increase the the profitability of uh, customers well what's slightly terrifying about this mark is that if you're a substantial enterprise and you have lots and lots of customers and products it's very likely that you have what is sometimes called a tail t-a-i-l of customers who are relatively unprofitable and that you know there are lots of arguments about 
whether you need to keep the tail in order to maintain the overall credibility of the business and so on and so forth. Every business should be looking about looking at eliminating that tail, either through assigning it to a third party um, or through migrating it in one of one of the three ways that we've just we've described, which is increasing the value of the transaction, uh, reducing the number of iterations, upping the price or reducing the credit terms and ideally some combination of all of those. Um, wow. Remember, well, because your idea, what you're constantly moving towards is you're moving, you know, in, in, in the sales environment. And this is not primarily a conversation about selling, but you want your enterprise to be profitable and you want the profitability to grow. And it can grow in two ways. One is by selling more and two, by getting more margin contribution out of the ones that you're already selling to. And that's what this does. It speaks to that. Um, yeah. Reduced funding. Very, isn't it? I mean, the, the way you put it was that you want to get rid of the tail. Uh, you know, some of those customers might be your very first customer and you kind of have the sentimental attachment to them. And there's always the hope that maybe one day they'll become a bigger customer. So how do you overcome those, uh, you know, those, um, yes, those things? Exactly that's no, it, the insight into the customer is very important. If it's a mom and pop shop and it's never going to become a big customer, then um, regrettably, you may have to assign them to a third party. And that makes good sense because they, they could they, they make perfect, you know, distributors who are used to dealing with small customers might be able to give a, a greater level of service to those customers than you can. If you're used to a certain level of scale, your model is not really suited to smaller customers. So don't be afraid of having an honest conversation with your customers, because what you want to do is you want to increase the aggregate value of your customer. You want to increase the aggregate transaction size. You want to increase the aggregate contribution margin per transaction. And you want to reduce the days of sales invested in receivables per transaction. Those are the things you want to be doing. Okay. So uh, are we done with the lower end? Shall we talk about the higher end? Those customers who are actually your big customers, uh, they presumably have already a fairly strong contribution, as you mentioned, in terms of net margins and so on. And you've pretty much got them down to paying you uh, well, as yes. close to contractual terms as possible. Um, so what happens then? I mean, how do you then go about going to a customer and saying, hey, you know, over time, uh, we've, we've uh, sorted out all of the overdue payments. We're now at 32 days. Um, your contract says 25 or rather your contract says 30, how do we bring them down to 25? How do you even start a conversation about reducing those terms? Okay, let's talk about Pareto again. So the top 20% of your customers are responsible for 80% of your sales. They're probably responsible for about 80% of your working capital tied up in receivables. So with big customers, many of them, many of them have, um, have um, deeper pockets than you because these are by definition large companies, yeah? If they're large companies, you can have a very open conversation about terms. And we've talked about this, you know, under other situations. When the, when the COVID crisis first hit and we were talking about what companies can do to make sure that they're not exposed to running out of cash, one of the things that we said was, well, where you have a customer that's bigger than you and has got deep pockets, have the conversation. And the conversation is terms, pricing, um, and what can you do, with, you know, within within those um, categories? So, because it's because the eighty twenty rule applies, a relatively small reduction in payment terms from a large customer will have a disproportionate level of impact on your actual DSO. That's one of the reasons why, if you look at the three models that we put in section five of the book, do buy the book; it's worth looking at. 
or contact us if you want to know more. Um, it, um, it, it demonstrates that you should pick on larger customers and try and migrate them. It's a tougher dialogue to have, but it's going to have significantly more impact on your cash flow in the medium term. The action with the smaller customers that we talked about earlier is much more about risk mitigation. It says, let's not spend our time on relatively unprofitable customers. Let's be binary about whether or not we want to do business with them. If they can't give us more business or pay a decent price or, or pay us in, the, in a decent time, then let's find another way to deal with them, firstly. Right. Secondly, yes. for, for, you know, yes. for larger customers, because they have a disproportionate impact on DSO, let's negotiate with them because they can probably agree to pay you relatively quicker, but don't have that discussion until they're actually already paying you to terms. That is the critical thing you need to bear in mind when having this discussion. So, for example, one of the things we talk about in the book, you'll remember, Mark, is that we say it's amazing how many companies that we talk to straight off the bat say, well, what if we reduced our terms? And you say, well, are your customers actually currently paying you based on the terms that they theoretically have with you? And if the answer is no, then yes. what's the point of changing the terms? And, you know, often the fully think, think is something like this. Well, if the terms are 30 days and they're paying me in 45, if I reduce the terms to 25, maybe they'll pay me in 40. No, they won't. Okay. <laughs> because if they're not used to paying you to the current terms, they're sure as hell yeah. not going to get used to paying you to any terms. It's got to be a binary discussion. You've got to get your customers comfortable with the notion that whatever they agree, and you can have an open discussion about what that what that number should be. Should it be 25, 35, 60, 200? What should it be? You need to agree something, and then you need to educate your customers to take what you say seriously. Because if they don't take it seriously, <clears throat> it's academic what yes. they sign on the piece of paper that you give them. And that's the situation that very many companies, sadly, are in. Yes. That is, oh, the payment what? term is academic. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's if you've put 30 days on the invoice and you've never actually confirmed with the customer that they will pay in 30 days, it actually doesn't matter what you put on the invoice, uh, as we've talked about in previous uh, podcasts. But Simon, or, 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 yeah, or discovered that because of their own processes, they can only pay you in 33. I mean, the point is to have an achievable, agreed payment term in your relationship right from the very beginning. Um, because if, if there's any element of, un, of uh, if it's unrealistic for whatever reason, i.e. they can't do it because it's against their policy or they can't do it because their internal processes can't meet that, then you're better off knowing that and aligning the, aligning your term to what they can achieve and can then commit to and then managing to that than you are by starting the relationship off having an agreement that is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But still, and, and you've made the point that you can only try to negotiate the terms down further if they are, in fact, if you've had those conversations, they are, in fact, paying you as close to terms as possible. As you're pouring yourself another cup of tea, Simon, can you elaborate uh, water, on what, water. what sort of, um, uh, again, how do, you, how do you then go into a customer and say, you know, we're thrilled that you, you pay us within, within uh, 30 days uh, and, you know, we appreciate your long service and, and, uh, and, and our long partnership and, you know, the fact that you've been a customer for so long blah, blah, blah. How do you then go in and say, by the way, we'd now like to reduce that to 25 days? Because the customer, you can, can I just finish? Put, the customer will probably yeah, say, yeah. well, um, why should I give you anything? And then the compulsion for you, our listener, our listeners might be, well, I'll have to give a discount in order to bring them down to 25 days. Well, um, let's take those uh, one at a time. First of all, you're only doing this at the end of the pro of a process of actually installing 
the virtuous revenue cycle. That is, with the big customers, you've moved to a situation where you've entirely changed the service relationship. You're talking to the big customer about every invoice as soon as it lands, and you're methodically eliminating any mistakes in your customer-to-cash process that have caused rework, cost, frustration, and late payment. That elimination of issues has been shared with the customer so that when you have meetings with them, you can say, remember we used to have this situation, here's what we did. We now have far fewer issues, much, much, much cleaner. Our invoices are, 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 being, are, are cleaner and you're able to pay us quicker. With that, you can actually demonstrate what the total cost to serve is and how it's come down. In other words, you can actually identify, and we talk about this in the book, what the cost to the customer of doing business with a supplier who doesn't have a particularly waterproof um, order to cash process is and demonstrate that you've reduced that cost. So first of all, you build goodwill by demonstrating that you've invested. Remember, you've put an extra person in or whatever to do the proactive calls. You've put extra effort into resolving the issues. Here's what we've done for you. We'd like to discuss now that transactions are much cleaner and we're clearly a lower cost supplier to do business with. We'd like to talk about opportunities maybe to tighten up payment terms a little bit. And if that doesn't work, well, you can do the math. Is it worth giving them a small, is it worth reducing prices in order to, re, to, to ring down payment terms? If you're going, my view on that is it's entirely a mathematical calculation, firstly. And secondly, if you're going into a situation like, say, at the beginning of COVID or prior to that, when you've got supply chain disruption from China as a result of America's political actions, if you think you're going to go into a cash crunch, it might be worth trading a couple of points of margin to bring forward the payment from a major customer by five or 10 days, do the math. Two or three large customers paying you a week or two weeks or three weeks faster could have a significant impact on your ability to maintain your business and to, and to, and to be liquid. Um, survival in some cases is more important um, and only you can have that conversation and only you can do those calculations, but you can't do them. You can't do them if you haven't already put the virtuous revenue cycle in place. Yes. Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground, Simon. We've talked about looking to reduce the payment terms. Firstly, I guess, getting the customer to actually meet the payment terms, but then actually finding a way to reduce it. We've looked at the low end of your customer base and how to make them, uh, well, a bigger contributor to your business. Uh, and we've talked about the larger customers and migrating them, firstly, to the actual payment terms that you've agreed, and then hopefully to some discounts. Are there any other points that we've yet to mention? No, I think that's already a pretty pretty big recipe for many companies. Um, and the important thing is, I mean, in closing, I think, to do it in the right order. Above all, resist the notion to go in hot and heavy, yes. either to get paid on time or to reduce the terms. I mean, this is, this is very often the situation that we find. And in fact, when you and I first met, it was kind of what was going on in that dynamic, which is, isn't it frustrating that none of my customers will pay me when they're supposed to? You know, well, hang on a minute. Why aren't they paying you? How, what, how are you leaving that door open and what could you do about it? So start off with humility, work with your customer to figure out where the, uh, where the errors are, dot the I's, cross the T's and eliminate them so that your actual DSO moves down close to what their payment terms are. Then and only then using that improved relationship and the information that you've gathered about what tends to go wrong, can you then have a dialogue with the customer about opportunities to reduce the actual base term itself? I've seen it happen, I've seen customers be surprised by the fact that it can happen because it requires a complete change in your customer relationship. But I do urge you to look very hard at it. Yeah. 
And if you have uh, more questions, uh, comments, maybe your own story to tell, email us at service at riabu.com. Riabu.com is also the place where you can go to create master files for your customers uh, and uh, actually track some of these conversations so that the next person who picks up the conversation, maybe a salesperson or somebody in, in another area of the business, is also informed as to where you are at with that, with that conversation with the customer. Thank you very much, Simon Littlewood.